I guess we'll run through what we're going to uh, talk about today. So we always do a market wrap. Uh, then we've got a couple of questions. Uh, one, will the US go into recession or not? Uh, important indicators forecast a recession, but the market seems to think the worst is behind us. We're going to talk about gold, actually, gold and precious metals. They've certainly been on the move recently. And crypto, which has also been taking off. So, uh, well, hello again, everyone, and uh, welcome to another uh, Trading Insights with FXT. You've got myself, Tim Muirhead, and Michael Berman, who's the CEO of FXT. How are you, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, Tim. Not too bad. Um, it's once again, it's, did we speak Thursday or Friday last week? I can't remember if it was Friday. It seems like it was a blink uh, a day. Yeah, ago. that's right. Well, yeah, that's right. We had the uh, a national holiday for... Uh, our uh, Australia Day slash Invasion Day, however you want to see it. So uh, uh, we've moved it to Friday now. So it's uh, Friday the 27th. Um, uh, and look, um, we're very happy to take um, questions from anyone. So leave any questions and comments and uh, let us know what you think, what we're doing right, what you like, what you don't like. And uh, <laughs> we will always hope to improve. Absolutely. That's it. So I guess we'll start with the uh, market wrap, uh, which we always do. Um, so look, markets have been very bullish in the last sort of few weeks. We, uh, I feel like I am repeating myself from last week because look, we had a really terrible end of the uh, end of the year. No Santa rally, but look, suddenly it's been a, it's a, certainly a new financial year for the US, and they just seem to be piling into the market, and it just keeps going going up. So, and look. Importantly, there's been some quite um, technical levels we're breaking through. There's been two sort of very obvious channels in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, uh, and they've both broken out to the upside. And again, I think importantly, we are seeing a switch from uh, value back into um, growth stuff. So the Dow Jones, which was outperforming all the, uh, you know, the NASDAQ shares last year, has now become the underperformer. So people seem to be wanting to put a bit more risk onto the table and um, driving things higher. And that's, I think, also being helped by the fact that there was talk last year about, you know, seriously hard landing, US going into a recession, and it seems that, you know, the market is now latched onto this narrative that uh, it's going to be a soft landing or even miss out on a recession altogether, which uh, has certainly... Uh, I guess made people a lot more comfortable to put put risk back onto the table. So, and then I guess um, yeah, look, interest rates haven't really been uh, going up further. They looks like they might be um, you know reaching their terminal rate. And the other um, I guess important driver of stocks is the US dollar that's uh, been dribbling off slowly, which has uh, certainly been helping things. So overall, it's been. Um, Pretty positive, and um, yeah, well, look, it looks like it's going to continue for the the short time. I would say. Um, I guess the only uh, worrying thing in the back of my mind is just there has been a bit of a um, ratcheting up of uh, saber, what do they call saber rattling with the uh, Ukrainian war. Now the US has decided to supply actual a Abrams tanks. Uh, looking to supply jet fighters. It's certainly looking like the US is uh, getting much more involved and in whether uh, Russia, you know, they've, they've always got this uh, their big red button and whether that, you know, ever comes to it. But uh, uh, certainly without that, I mean, I think things look pretty good. What are your thoughts, Michael? 
Yeah, okay. So uh, I, I feel like I've been on, constantly on the wrong side of the, the market the last week or two. But um, can you confirm you can see my screen? Yes, yes, I can. Just wanted to run through quickly um, with FXT Navigator just to give ourselves some bearing. I've sorted um, according to the month, month and year to date to the same for now. Uh, it's quite staggering to see what Bitcoin has done. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, I mean, Bitcoin has actually outperformed Ethereum here and it's sitting on a rally of 39%. Um, it's still, just so you know, with a 39% rally, we're still 66% down from its all-time high. And if I just click on that chart, um, just to kind of show you in context, um, we, the drawdown, we've had a 36 or a 39% rally. It's taken us from here to here, as you can see from price there to there. So, there's, you know, there's still quite a little bit of work to be done um, on on reco fully recovering. But we'll, I guess we'll talk more about crypto later. Other things, just to comment, it's Chinese New Year at the moment. And you can see we have in a rally of absolute note. And I, I think that's largely on the back of, you know, we, we had a very, um, it was a strong down year last year. In fact, with, uh, the Hang Seng was down 16% last year but it was down quite a lot more uh, at one point in the year but it you know it rallied towards the end of the year and it's you know the rallies continued and i think that's also speaking towards china opening up so there's big there's there's a lot of hope at the moment with the opening up of, of china's um economy you know with the COVID policies and and yeah i just i just wanted to make the following comments um apropos we had davos where the World Economic Forum, so, you know, world leaders were there. And the sentiment, no doubt, has been quite positive. People think the worst is is in. Um, we had, I think it was the World Bank, it was either IMF or the World Bank were revising their forecasts for GDP for this year. They were revising them up. So um, I think we, you know, we are... Um, We've seen more positiveness, and I think there's a feeling that the Fed has, well, let's say that central banks will start to ease pretty soon. Having said all of that, that all that all started at last week. We saw recently this week the Australian economy, um, the, the the Australian CPI numbers came in higher than anticipated, and um, we're still sitting with inflation around uh, seven odd percent over here, which means. That the the hikes, well, the tapering off of the hikes that was anticipated are probably going to happen later. Um, so there's more work to be done by the Reserve Bank of Australia. Um, it also means that your labor unions and the wage negotiations are going to say, you know, the, there was the argument last year that I know a lot of unions faced that it was fleeting. It was it was inflation was just a you know, what did they call it? It was transitory. It was just going to come and go and we'll be back down at the 2% level uh, or sub 2% uh, quickly. So don't and don't expect that you can get wage inflation like where we at because it's coming down. Well, anyway, it looks like it's not coming down as quickly, which means wages will probably be negotiated this year again with at a higher clip. Not saying that that's going to be the cause of future inflation but i think what it will do is it will be the cause of 
um, inflation taking longer to come down. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll just end my, my intro on the following statement that equities in Europe are still expensive. Um, you know, it's not just me saying this. You've got JP Morgan. I think Morgan Stanley's analysts are saying we, we, that the market's still trading at quite a hefty premium in, the, in Europe. And I know it's still trading expensive in the U.S., so um, it's. It, I think this rally, uh, this rally is a, a bear market rally, and I guess this is what my, my main point I wanted to bring across um, as somebody who's trying to short this market, and you know, I'm, I've been stopped out, I've added, I've trimmed, and and that's trading. You know, you if you if you're going to take a view, a big macro view. That and my view personally, it's not financial advice. My my view is that we still got hard times ahead. We don't have unemployment. Unemployment is still incredibly low, like record lows. So um, distress in in property is not really there. Um, even distress in businesses, bankruptcies are not at the clip that you typically see with major recessions. So there's a lot. Um, there's a lot more to go in my book. And I think the markets anticipated the Goldilocks um, soft landing. Anyway, that's my view. And yeah. if, you're trade, if you're going to trade macro, is just I'll, I'll end with this. If you're going to trade macro, you've got to make sure your position sizing is appropriate because you're likely to be wrong for protracted, for protracted periods of time. And I'm happy to come here on these weekly podcasts and get clipped and, <laughs> and, and be embarrassed that I've been calling for the short, but I'm still short and I'm still bearman. Yeah, and I, I was just going to say, in in your defence, I guess is look, um, you know, uh, people saying, "Oh, we're going to have soft ramming with the lows in markets are rebounding." Like a bit of historical perspective in 2000 to 2002, uh, you know, the Nasdaq basically. Uh, went through a massive bear market. But during that bear market, there were eight times when the market rallied over 50%. I think yep. one of the times it actually rallied 40%. So yep. you can have these big positive moves where everyone d dives back in. But look, in the, the longer term, we do still have the problem that uh, the Fed is telling us they're going to be removing liquidity, which is negative for stocks. We do have a you know this recession looming, which we don't know how bad it is is yet. And you're right; they think that uh, it's not going to it's going to be mild. But look, you know, if the Fed's worried about inflation, they have to keep rates high for longer. It's going to hurt things, and you know, and the story can, as we see, it changes fairly quickly. And you know, market could be down five percent next week, and now everyone will be talking about you know. How severe things are going to be, and uh, and you're right. This is trading. You've sort of got to, you know, watch both the macro, the price action, the sentiment, and the positioning, and uh, try and put it all together. And occasionally, when you do get it right, uh, you know, ride it to uh, to profits and let your winners run, and you cut your losers short, and that's how you stay yeah. in the game. So, yeah. Oh, one one thing that against my, you know, I've just I've been following this. I, I should have prepared a chart for this, um, but you know we've had this we've had this inversion in the yield curve which portends a, a recession almost it's almost never wrong in in predicting 
a future recession. And it's been incredibly inverted. And so yeah, I was, can I just add, it's, it's, it's as inverted as, it, as it's been since 1980, as a really steep inversion. So yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. It, right. It's, it's, so, you know, when you, when you get, uh, who was it was saying, yeah, we, we're going to, we're probably going to miss this re recession. Like, like you've got some central bankers talking, saying, and, and I think some politicians saying, we, we're going to sidestep this recession. So there's a lot of confidence to go against an indicator that's incredibly um, accurate in, in from past history. But the one thing that is interesting that I noticed is that credit spreads, credit spreads are like the, the difference in the yields on, let's say, corporate bonds versus government treasuries, treasuries and, and, and government bonds. So the wider the spread tells that there's fear that there's insolvencies and, and credit worthiness and, and will businesses be in business, et cetera, et cetera. The credit spreads have been, you know, through last year, that they started increasing, but they are by no means anywhere near where they were during the GFC with the, the tech bust. Um, any of the big market pullbacks that we've seen in the past, credit spreads were much higher than they are now. So that's the only thing that is against my, like, I feel like until I see those credit spreads really widen, um, it's going to be hard for there to be like pure contagion because I'm, I'm, my, my thesis is we're going to see a significant pullback, not five or 10%. We're going to see a, a, a big leg down, which is, but it, it would need credit spreads for that to like really morph into something big. It would need to see credit spreads increase. Next time I'll bring a chart. Yeah, and I was going to say, we had um, Tesla earnings and um, Elon Musk talking last night, so it was pretty strong um, report. The stock's up, up after hours. It's actually up nearly, you know, I think it's over 50% bounce from the lows, you know, certainly getting a lot of people excited and help, helping the sentiment. But he was talking about just that the U.S. is facing a recession. He thinks it could be a, a severe one. They've been hoarding cash to get through it. So... Look, I guess the takeaway is just that, you know, these guys um, probably see a lot more than the average uh, analyst on the street about predicting these kind of recessions. So I put a bit of weighting into what he says. So, you know, I don't think uh, the US is out of the woods. And um, certainly... Did, did, Tim, just on, on the... Did you see um, the Salesforce uh, just... I, I think it was this morning or was it last night where they also commented where they're cutting 10% of their sales. Yes, they did increase sales. Um, they increased staff numbers over the last couple of years. But, but that, I mean, just to echo your point, when a company like Salesforce, because they see inside the business, I mean, they, they, their business is supporting their CRM. They are supporting, uh, they are supporting commerce and business. When they see a downturn come in because they're laying off people, then... They're good insiders, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely right. So, look, it, I mean, it is. Uh, I guess it's that's the real question that the market is facing. Is the is the US going to go into recession? Well, look, at the moment, um, you know, the market is a good discounting mechanism. It's currently believing it's not. I think another risk to the uh, soft landing story is that the Fed, who've been very clear about their inflation targeting. 
at three and a half percent unemployment rate, it puts a lot of pressure on the the, the job, the services jobs, especially uh, wage inflation. If they were going to get that up to sort of their, their target 4.7, that means you know keeping the rates hikes higher for longer, and uh, you know that might that they basically might have to bring pain to the economy, and uh, you know that's where we get the the next leg lower. So uh, it's look, it's it's I guess we will have to wait and see. Uh, in the short term, I think you know the market wants to go higher. Uh, we are certainly not standing in the way of it, uh, but look in the I guess in the medium term, uh, things things might start to deteriorate. And I certainly think we'll start to see that probably in March, April. Uh, it's probably going to get a lot clearer just how bad things are. So we can probably mm-hmm. make a call then. Cool. Um, that probably answers our recession question. Um, so why don't we go on to the next one about gold? <laughs> cool. So. Do you want to take this one first, Michael? I'll, I'll, I'll do a very short one on this because uh, this one I'll just actually share my screen because um, so I mentioned, I think, last week on our trend following um, indicator, we went dark green, which is a bullish signal, and, you know, it's it's rallied hard. Um, my, my take on, let me just see if I can zoom in a bit more here. So my, my take on this is that gold setting up for a major, um, you know, a major rally, but I think it's done a hell of a lot at the moment. And I, I would just actually quickly pull up and just want to see if the, if it's overbought according to our, it's, it's actually it, using our overbought indicator. It hasn't triggered a signal yet. It needs, you know, um, you know these two need to be above um so yeah it it it's not shown overboard on this one it's which is actually a where's my trend following one and so so we, we probably could go a little bit higher but i'm expecting us to to pause a little bit maybe have a little pullback but longer term i think we're going we're going much higher anyway that's that's just from a technical point of view i'll, I'll leave it there yeah, I mean, so look, a couple of things about gold. One, I agree with you in the short term, it looks very overbought. So uh, chasing it here, potentially risky. Um, but longer term, certainly we can make a bullish case for gold. And I think uh, the market will get really excited if it can break uh, to new highs. Because, I mean, we've sort of got a double top, a multi-year yeah. double top in play. And then look, if it breaks that, then, you know, it's going to really get a lot of attention. Um you know, a lot of the, I guess, the bullish arguments the central banks have been buying. We've got the US uh, dollar has been weakening with, you know, rates coming off. Now, last year when um, crypto was going up, I should say the last couple of years, crypto was probably stealing a lot of gold's thunder as yeah. the, the new sort of store of value. That's certainly gone away now. I think people have realised that uh, having something tangible is good. Uh, we've also got the fact that... Um, Currently, there's still negative real rates. We've still got inflation higher, so gold likes uh, negative real rates. And not to be discounted, uh, we're getting countries like China, India, uh, Saudi starting to trade not in non-US denominations, which um, doesn't sound like a big thing, but this could be the start of the decade of the, de- the demise of the US dollar as a uh, 
uh, you know, the global reserve currency. And if this happens, then look, you know, the US has got some serious problems. They've certainly got a massive debt situation. They've got a lot of unfunded liabilities. Look, um, it's not difficult to make a case that, you know, if, if they're no longer in ability to just be able to print money with no real negative consequences, then uh, this could really change the dynamics for, for gold. It, that's when you start getting into the, you know, Jim Rickard's uh, views of, you know, $40,000 gold price if they had to go back to a gold-backed currency, even at like 25%. So uh, I always like to have these uh, narratives in your mind just so you can, you know, if, we, we watch the price action, but you sort of got to like try and understand what the market is thinking and uh, how things can play out because, look, if you just look at it as just a, uh, gold versus interest rates or gold, you know, versus some other factor, then you can often miss the bigger picture in play. And by the time it gets obvious, you know, the, a lot of the moves already happen. So uh, but certainly interesting. And I guess, um, I, look, I've talked for a little bit on this, but uh, what we've been finding very interesting recently is the gold-silver ratio has been underperforming. Now, what tends to happen is when gold rises, silver tends to rise more. So as gold goes up, the gold-silver ratio comes down um, as silver appreciates. Now, in the last sort of few weeks, silver's just been, actually over a month, silver's been sort of stuck in this range and gold's been sort of going up and silver hasn't. So I think it'll be very interesting to watch silver uh, if, you know, if gold continues to rally and silver breaks to the upside, we might get a pretty decent move. But um, I like to quote uh, Peter Brandt, who says, trading silver um, always ends up in two things. When you get it right, it's a thing of beauty, but when you get on the wrong side, it ends up as a train wreck. So uh, position size accordingly. Yeah. Um, just what, what, just what, I mean, a little bit of a, um, a plug on what you can do just to look at that correlation with what you were just describing there, Tim. Just oh, yeah, there sure. Was, Bear with me a second. So if I look at correlation here with silver, as I click on that, um, click on rolling. Okay. Uh, I, I needed to change the, I need to change the setting. If I, I don't want to waste too much time here, maybe we'll, we'll, okay, let me just do it over here. If you don't mind, we can always edit this. Um, so, so what I want to do is just look at, over where was it yeah silver and and i guess why look why you're doing that i can probably yeah. explain something is that um you know look gold essentially um you know it's it's like a the reciprocal reciprocal of faith in the us dollar you might say but yeah. it, it acts like a currency it's really just a, a store of value but silver is is two things one it's uh like a store of value like gold, but it's also an industrial metal. It's got very good, uh, you know, properties for conductivity, a thing that's being used widely in semiconductors, and uh, I think its use cases go up. So uh, silver definitely gets consumed. When you see commodities rise, silver tends to get a boost and vice versa. Uh, but gold's just, I guess, the more pure yep. uh, store of value play. But what I'm showing is actually not what you were saying, you were speaking about the ratio and, and it goes at a, a premium. And a, but just in terms of the correlation, just while, just to show you that we look in at a hundred day period. So it's a lengthy look back period. W correlation of gold and silver is back in 
close to 100%. It's, not a, it's never likely, well, it gets to 100 occasionally. But you can see back in, uh, what is this, like October, um, it was, where's this, November, inflation, uh, correlation with gold and silver had broken down to 47%. Interesting. Anyway, just a by the by fact that. Right. Oh, well, that's uh, probably, um, we, I guess we can move on to our evergreen topic, Bitcoin. We always love to talk to people Nuggets. about Bitcoin. <laughs> that's, it's like a staple, isn't it, on the channel? But I mean, look, it's, it's fascinating in a couple of senses. One, there's just been a, so much playing out. I mean, it's like literally has been a train wreck over the last year, fraud after fraud being uncovered. Uh, we still believe that you know there could be another major one lurking it's probably uh if i had to pick one it's tether tether's uh massive i know uh, doomberg just put out a piece about they still won't do any uh audits uh still like it appears like there's a lot of um reasons to suspect that it, you know it, they've been printing tether unbacked which they've always claimed they back one for one but uh when asked to show the actual capital backing, then they can't do it. And also they've been involved in a lot of the, uh, I guess, blow-ups. Uh, I think they were involved with FXT and showing no loss. So it's certainly, scary. yeah, FTX, yeah, certainly doesn't look good for them. Uh, but anyway, um, the actual Bitcoin, which is separate to Tether, it's um, it's been doing very well in the last month. It's, it's picking up, it's been trading higher. I think this is all part of the, the risk on. We're seeing uh, um, a lot of, you know, I guess positivity coming into, uh, the, I guess, the top three, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana. Uh, and you, what's the one you like, Michael? Cardano. How's that one doing? Yeah, exceptionally well as well. Um, you know, if I can just mention, um, what I, I, I've had a few, I mean, I've gone deep dive the last couple of weeks. And, and one has to, if you're playing in the blockchain space, I think you've got to pick one or maybe two. Um, I gave up on Solana a long time ago, um, but um, especially when they when their blockchain failed and like the robustness of the system. But but I still marvel at the fact that. Well, let me go. Let me start with. The, in in fact, they that next week they're launching on the Cardano network a an over collateralized stable coin, which is kind of it's it's kind of it's a it's using some of the technology that Luna used, which is like it's got this. It's an algorithmic over collateralized stablecoin. I don't fully understand how it works, but what I do know is what they're trying to work against is this business of one for one. Because can you really trust um, the the promoters or the backers of the stablecoin that they're going to exactly match it? So they they pr proposing a over collateralized and a heavily over collateralized one so it's got to be much more than than one but i did a couple of things this week which i just wanted to share with the community which i think speaks towards a future with with crypto and blockchain i you know put it all together um the interesting thing is that this it ain't going away I don't think it's going away. Yes, regulators could get in the way and, and maybe do certain things. But the systems themselves still work. Blockchain and Bitcoin still mints coins. And so the system works. And so does Cardano and, and Ethereum. And whatever gets thrown and Polkadot and all these kind of things, these, these, these systems actually do 
continue to work. Um, I'm, I was blown away. I get, I, I, nothing blows me away more than when I make a payment and I move a significant sum of money. Um, I, I did on Cardano's network and it updates um, blocks are printed every 20 seconds. So to see in 20 seconds this money appear in a different wallet and it's all good and, and it happens. It's it's a marvel. When I think of how I have to move money with a bank wire and I have to go online and it just the whole thing and, you know, paying staff in foreign currency and uh, you, you a week later, you, they're still asking, did you make the payment? Um, it hasn't hit their bank yet. You know, it's 20 seconds and it's done on the blockchain if using an efficient network. The other thing I just got to tell you is I, I stayed well away from yield farming. I, I don't really, I still don't understand all liquidity pools and all this kind of stuff. However, I did come across a DeFi website that, um, a DeFi platform that allows me to make a loan um, with my crypt, with my tokens on the conditions that I want. So I want X amount collateral. So I want double the collateral and I want to loan it for 30 days and I get to pick my interest and I can see what other people are charging. And, and yeah, um, I, I made a loan. It's governed by an NFT smart contract and it, you know, I watch it. So I'm learning. I'm, it's very, I'm doing it on a very small scale, but the point I'm really trying to get to is that slowly, slowly, I think this, this space is finding use cases and it's it its technology is getting more robust, it's getting more sophisticated, and things will be built on it that are are, are more meaningful. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can go on and on. Uh, by the way, one, one thing I saw this morning, and I, I've already forgotten the whole story behind BlockFi, but... BlockFi filed for bankruptcy, and, I, and now it appears that there was like $1.2 billion, um, $800 million to Alameda and $400 to, to FTX, which wasn't um, in their original, this information wasn't publicly available, and apparently in their bankruptcy proceedings, the, the, this information was redacted and hidden, and somebody uploaded it yesterday and and the the redaction was was missing so people could see beneath the the smudge what was going on and once again sam bankman freed is is behind something here that i'm told that it's almost impossible to believe that the block five guys weren't in on the scam so yeah statement but that's what i read can I just add, uh, look, I noticed um, recently, it used to, you were just talking about transferring money, just uh, you used to transfer in Australia, you know, with our local banks, it used to take, you know, three days and it's been gone to two days and, you know, one day. And now the banks have responded with uh, Pay ID, which uh, I've just started using, yeah. which is almost instantaneous. Yeah. So, uh, look, this is always a risk to uh, the crypto landscape. Look, not only have you got regulation risk, the banks are not just sitting around. They're, they're actively doing something. Now, whether they move that to be, you know, global banking, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, people have got, you know, lots of money in their banks. It's, it's not like uh, having money in a crypto wallet is... Um, I guess you can't sleep as well as night because the, uh, you know, it fluctuates so quickly, which is, again, been another, I guess, criticism of Bitcoin. Um, 
it fails the stability test. <laughs> yeah, um, Tim, I know we've spoken a while, and but just it's, I just wanted to mention because a lot of people don't know this that when when a trans with the blockchain because it's a public ledger, you can actually monitor all the payments. So if I know your wallet, I know what, and if if I've identified it's your wallet, um. I can know all your transactions. So I, I personally think this is actually something great for regulators because, you know, for money laundering and tax evasion and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and I've recently been doing some homework. Uh, there are quite a few interesting where, um, software, bloody expensive, where they're building databases on wallets where you, so you can actually do proper KYC and um, understand who, where the money actually came from and see the trail. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm giving a big punt today um, for, for, for crypto. But, you know, don't do it to get rich quick, I think. But if you if you want to be a, a bit of a futurist and I guess in, if we in the global macro theme space, one tends to try and think what are the big trends coming. And, and yeah, I, I don't think crypto is dead. It might take 10, 20 years for us to break those new to new highs. I, I'm not so fussed by that. I think it's more important to see if this is a technology that's going to really take hold. And and I think it's got potential. Yeah, well, I, I think historically it shows it'll uh, it'll either be new highs in a few years or it's, you know, probably <laughs> it, won't, it tends to be yeah. four-year cycles. So interesting to see how the next one plays out. Uh, anyway, we're, I guess we're running out of time, so uh, we might uh, leave it there to wrap things up. So One last thing, Tim. I know we're over time, but um, it doesn't happen every day. Did you see the Hinden? Do you know about the Hindenburg Report? So I, I came across these guys with the Nikola. Uh, the, these are guys, for the for viewers, These are, this is a guy, Nate Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, an American guy. He does incredibly deep research on companies looking to unpick fraud scams and all that nicola that um fraud on on electric trucks ev um he 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 was behind that but he goes short like so he's a short and the he broke a story to uh, 48 hours ago that the biggest scam he thinks in the world is adani the the, the third richest guy in the world this uh, indian um conglomerate it's called adani enterprises and basically he put out his research that um, trashed the company. I know Donnie himself lost about $5 billion in net worth after this report. Um, interesting. I don't know. Do you have any views? Do you uh, follow these guys at all? I actually haven't read the report yet. It was a holiday yesterday. I haven't got it on my reading list to do, but yeah. uh, um, I certainly I know of the uh, the report or the guy who does it, but yeah. Uh, um, yeah, fascinating. Maybe we can talk about that as one of the topics next week. Just, to, I mean, I, I guess the, the criticism of these guys is yes. that they're not they they're outside the Australian jurisdiction. They often uh, they can put you know, short reports of Australian companies. We've seen uh, times where the company then has to you know go into hold, yes. come out with a rebuke, <laughs> or a, or a, you know, and uh, then they don't fall under the same laws. And and often it's a case of uh, their their waiting is enough to move the stock and whether they do it as a, you know, I guess as a dump and pump scheme or... Well, there, there are a couple of these guys out there. Maybe we'll t touch on it next week. Um, I follow so, a few of them. So, uh, sounds good. 
All right. Well, perhaps we'll leave there. So thanks, everyone, for another week. Uh, myself, Tim Muirhead, Michael Berman. Uh, Cheers, everyone. Always good. good. And, and like I said, uh, leave, uh, leave any comments below, what you want to see, questions, comments, changes, recommendations, anything, any, anything you'd like to, any, any topics that uh, we can talk about, we're happy to, to use them. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheers then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.